Hey, and welcome to Game Talk episode 31. I'm your host, Amid Mion. I'm joined by Tristan. Hello. And Connor. Hi, guys. And the first thing I wanted to talk about today is probably the most popular game development studio in the world, uh, certainly the most lucrative, and that would be Rockstar Games. So Red Dead Redemption 2 recently came out, and as expected, insane critical and commercial success. Um, I actually saw an article recently saying that it was the highest grossing like opening weekend for an en- for an entertainment product ever, <clears throat> which is yeah. Insane. I raised what was it seven hundred and thirty two million yeah, in over seven hundred million in three days. So uh, huge success, and the game's incredible um, based off of my experiences from it. So that, along with the fact that Rockstar's kind of been mired in a little bit of controversy. As of late, due to news coming out of their insane crunch during Red Dead Redemption 2, um, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about Rockstar. And maybe we could start off by just talking about the Rockstar games we've played and which ones we like best and that sort of thing. Uh, I've only played Grand Theft Auto V, and I thought it was, like, okay. But I really just don't get the appeal of Rockstar games, I don't think. Like, they're kind of fun, but I don't think they're 732 million dollars in three days fun so i never really got grand theft auto i tried to get into four i tried to get into five multiple times and i just wasn't interested um but red dead redemption is a different story i love the first game and the second game is is quickly shaping up to become one of my favorite games ever i mean it's just the the level of polish and just the immersiveness that it offers is several orders of magnitude above like pretty much any other game I've played. I think it's a real achievement. That's interesting. Um, because for me, Rockstar, I started off with um, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and I've just been playing pretty much every installment yeah. since then. And I played Bully, and I loved that a lot. But I actually, I, when Red Dead Redemption first came out, uh, and then other people in my family were playing it. And we're like, oh, you got to try this. You got to try this. I sat down and gave it some time, but I never quite got into it. Yeah. Um, which I felt was, which I, th- I find weird now because like we talk about Rockstar Games is like sort of having a similar uh, way of being built, you know, this open world, do anything, sort of commit some... Uh, crime for grand theft auto you know go shoot some people for red also, dead basically but also for some reason there was red something dead. about red yeah. dead yeah um but something about red dead didn't uh grab me the same way that grand theft auto 5 had okay that's really interesting so we all come from like very different perspectives on rockstar I guess Tristan, being the fan of GTA, I, uh, GTA is obviously, it is the most successful video game franchise like in history. I mean, Call of Duty, maybe you could argue makes more money, but <clears throat> yeah, in terms of critical and commercial success, especially it seems like starting with uh, GTA, well, not starting with, but really kind of cemented with GTA 5. Um, and how they implemented GTA Online. The online component, I, I mean, GTA 5 by itself is a massive single-player game, but the online component of it is 
is just as huge, if not bigger. Like there are people who exclusively, there are people who exclusively play GTA online and nothing else. It's, it's, it's that massive and it makes them insane amounts of money. So much so that they've changed their business model over the years. Like back in the, 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 like the PS2 days, they were releasing games semi-frequently, but now we get one big release every five or six years. And Having GTA Online and now coming soon Red Dead Online will allow them to continue that business model. Yeah, um, Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013, and the last time I saw figures of how much that game was making them, it was over a billion dollars. Easily in a over year. a billion. I just mean, it grossed, yeah. it, within its first week, GTA V grossed over a billion dollars, which is just like stupid to think about. I mean, there's a reason GTA Five is the most successful entertainment product in history, like including all movies, TV shows, books, what what have you. It's made more money than everything. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, like I I often feel like I'm missing something, you know, because I've tried really many times to get into GTA Five, and it's well made. Like I can appreciate how well made it is it's just it just doesn't grab me forever for whatever reason i i really enjoyed like the bombast of it like gta 5 like i i just remembered i also played max Payne 3 and that's a very linear game that's like super scripted really different it it almost plays a lot like yeah really kind of different from the rock star we know today yeah, but that's what I like from them. Like, I like the scripted scenes in the Grand Theft Auto V storyline and stuff. Like, that's what I was really into. Like, the bombastic driving sequences and, like, just crazy stuff you get to do. I didn't really get into, like, the free play or any of the side missions all that much. See, Red Dead 2 absolutely has those really intense linear story missions. But that's all, you know, built on top of like an open world, almost Breath of the Wild-esque, like do anything sort of mentality kind of game. Yeah, um, I know I spent a lot of time in San Andreas's or GTA San Andreas's free play mode. But back then I had cheats that would allow me to spawn a jet and fly around and do that sort of stuff yeah and the, and the cheats um, are kind of like a big rockstar staple too like every one of their big games has like a cheat mode where you can do crazy stuff and that's that's a huge appeal for those games too i know red dead 2 has like a hidden cheat menu that you can access it's kind of retro of them yeah I don't know. I'm not ready to forgive them for the crunch. I'll be honest. Like, even if they release Red Dead 2 on PC, there's zero chance of me buying it as of right now. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's talk about the crunch a little bit. So, for those that are unfamiliar, uh, some news stories broke that uh, some Rockstar employees revealed that uh, some of them were working over 100 hour weeks uh, in the weeks leading up to the release of Red Dead Redemption 2 which is just absolutely not okay in any circumstance. And reading more into it, um, some some games journalists like dug into this and got some anonymous interviews. And it seems like there's a real like kind of toxic culture at Rockstar. Like it's, it's very prideful, but like if you're not part of that pride, like if you aren't willing to work massive overtime, other people there will disrespect you and look down on you. And if you leave the company during the production of the game for whatever reason, regardless of how major your contribution was, your name will not be in the credits of the game. Yeah. And that's just absurd. I won't abide by that. Like a company that's going to behave like that doesn't deserve my money. 
Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, that, that that's just an absurd policy. I remember that policy being brought up uh, the last time Rockstar was in trouble with the controversy uh, surrounding L.A. Noir, where just massive amounts of people's names were left out of the credits of that game. Yeah, it, it it's, I don't know, it, like it, just from an outsider's perspective, it seems very like, almost like military, like you're either part of the team or you're, we're going to cast you out and you're nothing basically something like that. And I just like, like a hundred hours a week is just an absurd amount of time. Yeah. That's what is that? Work. Like that's over like 16 hours like, a, a day. Well, I mean, if you include, if you include yeah, weekends, your life at that point, it might be less than 16 hours a day, but still like it's, it's, it's too much. Like you hear all of these stories from people like really into the game it's games industry that say that like, it's not worth it. Like people have had their personal lives destroyed and like, all sorts of, you know, their their lives have essentially broken down because game developers demand too much of them. And and the compensation, I feel, is almost never enough uh, for how much they demand of you in, in games. No. As soon as, like, stories were breaking around the whole 100-hour uh, week, I started looking into, like, some of the things that were being said. And I think part of this is the corporate culture of, Rockstar, what you were mentioning before about like people shaming one another, maybe for uh, not being as invested. I think there were a lot of people that, especially maybe team leaders or people who had uh, had a significant hand in the upfront idea of this, that were really, really into what they were doing and they just didn't want to let go or slow down, maybe a little. Um, and then other people were feeling the effects of that. Thankfully, after all this, they have revised the policy, but I don't necessarily see the culture of Rockstar, the, what may have been a huge issue that we haven't really heard too much about. I don't know if that's going to change necessarily after all of this. Yeah, and I don't imagine it will, because why would it? Like, look at how much money they make, you know, that's that's the most important thing to them. and And their games are... Their games are successful on a level that almost no other video game franchise is. So I don't, I don't think they'll have any onus to change unless they start seeing that in their finances. Yeah, unless massive, unless their uh, turnover rate is just just goes crazy um, at lower level or at the levels where we might be expecting not significant turnover. You wouldn't expect like you wouldn't expect like a lot of senior level people that are really into this suddenly just leaving the job. But if you see like a bunch of like lower level programmers and asset designers, if you see a bunch of those people leaving, it's that costs a lot to a company. They're going to have to reconsider it. But here, here's the problem with that. I mean, maybe for some other company that could in theory work, but this is Rockstar we're talking about. If one junior developer leaves, there'll yeah. be a hundred more ravenous to take their place just because of the pedigree right. associated with rockstar i mean like um, I, I would be willing to bet even under these horrible conditions like a huge chunk of game developers working at other studios would would kill to work at rockstar yeah and that's i mean that kind of perpetuates the toxicity yeah and it's not just rockstar games it's not it's it's, it's like almost it's most big studios at this point i would say See, I don't even know if that's fair, because, like, 
I don't know. There are a lot of... T- I've read about EA not being horrible about Crunch before. Like, different studios within EA. It's really a per-studio basis. It's just... I know Ubisoft doesn't really do Crunch. Yeah, Ubisoft doesn't do Crunch. A lot of indie studios are just as bad as AAA, though. But it's it's more like a... It's not so much a, like, we'll fire you if you don't Crunch. It's more framed as a, like, our company is going to go under if we don't do this. But what I don't understand, yeah, so yeah. that kind of leads to a pretty good point. I don't understand why Rockstar, of all people, has to crunch. Like, they can release their yeah, game whenever know, like, they want and make over a billion dollars. Yeah. Yet why? Nobody would have been mad if Rockstar was like, all right. I mean, they would I mean, have been they, upset, but, you know, they could everybody have delayed would have still Red Dead Redemption it if they to, to six months. Uh, fall 2019, and it would have sold just as well. Like, easily. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. And they can't be hurting for money, because Grand Theft Auto Online is still making Yeah, I mean, they're, they're yeah. absolutely rich. And that leads to another point. Um, I was reading some interviews with the employees, some of these employees that were crunching for Red Dead. And the, interview were, the interviewer brought up um, the point of, like, boycotting uh, to kind of go against the notion of crunch. And they said... Uh, that they appreciate the sentiment, but in the end, that would just mean less sales for them, which would in turn mean less of a bonus for the employees who worked on the game. So it's a very tricky area of like, what would be best? See, I don't think it's as tricky as you're making it sound because like, yeah, it sucks that me boycotting this game would hurt those individual employees that have already been hurt. But I'm not worried about any individuals. Like, I'm boycotting it as a statement to the entire industry. I see. Okay. So, hmm. my... And I, I you know, at, at some point, like, they should have stood up for themselves at some point as well. And I, I kind of feel that I'm not in the wrong to hurt their bonus. Yeah, and just uh, incidentally, their bonus, like, for a major release like Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption, uh, is somewhere within, like, the mid-five-figure range. I just thought that was an interesting statistic. That doesn't seem significant for the kind of money that... So, like, at first I was like, that's a pretty big bonus. But then I considered, okay, let's see. Red Dead will make a billion dollars in, like, two weeks. Okay? So, let's sh- assuming that, like, I, I think you could easily cut each employee a six-figure bonus and not hurt at all. But what do I know? I'm not... Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Depending on how many uh, employees are partaking in this um, bonus and then whatever overhead costs they still have uh, to pay off from the development of this whole thing. It's I'm I don't know what the budget was for. It it was probably astronomical. I mean, let's be real, like hundreds of millions of dollars it was it's honestly if 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 the financials ever get released i wouldn't be surprised to learn that this was the most expensive game ever made yeah but that being said the the return they're getting it will almost certainly pay for it and lots more like especially with red dead online coming out with the microtransactions it'll have it'll make them like billions of dollars for years to come same as gta online so yeah I gotta wonder if Red Dead Online is gonna cannibalize GTA Online any. I think it it will uh, a little bit, but I don't know. Like GTA Online almost has its own community at this point, like similar to like the people who play, you know, Destiny or World of Warcraft or something. Like the the diehards who only play that right. game, 
will stick with GTA Online. And I think a similar community will form with Red Dead. Obviously, at first, Red Dead will have way more people playing because everyone's just going to be trying it out. But Yeah, and it, I think a lot... There's something that's uh, to be said about the GTA Online community. There's um, the creator uh, that's available, the being able to do all the different sorts of... There's the motorcycle clubs, the different there's the ceo businesses all that other stuff that you can keep bringing your group together to do this stuff with and i'm wondering what they're gonna do with red dead online yeah because like they can't they can't just release a bunch of new cars or new something horses in red dead yeah. online like <laughs> yeah but like you can I do did, that like once or there, twice there's a pretty like, big rumor i think that uh that there's gonna be a battle royale mode in red dead online which which would be fun i wouldn't um, be surprised yeah, it's it wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, I'm surprised GTA never got one. Yeah, well, they did, didn't they? GTA yeah. Online had a game mode uh, where everybody's like parachute, or yeah, everybody like spawns like really high in the sky and then parachutes into a circle and then uh, pick up guns and kill each other. So they did have a battle on or battle royale mode, player. but it wasn't like well known about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't hundred player. It was like a few small teams of like two or three people. The hundred player mark isn't nearly as important to battle royales as like people make it out to be. Yeah. But since when's the last time you've seen a battle royale with under like 90 people? I'm just, I'm just saying it's like a staple. Um, rec Royale rec room. Uh, it has 16 players. Yeah, but Rec Room's a VR game, you know? Like it's, it's just a small It's not map. being played by too many people. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, what I'm getting at is for a battle royale to go big, like, you know, Obviously not on a level of Fortnite because nothing will ever touch that, but you know, something like Call of Duty level, it'll yeah. probably be that massive. So you brought up bully, right, Tristan? Um so I kinda wanted yeah. to also touch on Rockstar's like smaller titles, like the non GTA and non Red Deads. I really enjoyed LA Noir when it came out. It was like a it was a pretty unique game for its time. And it used pretty uh at the time at least, the facial technology was pretty cutting edge. Uh, yeah, when it first came out, I was really into it. Um, like it, if it was the scripted stuff of GTA, but brought into like a 1960s detective, sort of like a pulp, uh, noir, uh, you know, style detective story. And I was really into it. My problem was later on, the more I kept playing was, how ridiculous trying to call people out on their lies the interrogation like yeah the mechanic the mechanic for like lie and doubt and whatever was good on paper but it didn't really work in the game as intended i think yeah i definitely spent a lot of time uh in la noir just doing the other stuff other than interrogations like i loved investigating it wasn't the best put together investigation mini game I've ever seen, but it was, it was interesting enough and it worked well with everything else they had going on around right, it. Yeah. I would like to see another LA noir style game uh, out of rockstar. I just don't know if we're going to see it anymore now that GTA online has right. proved what they can do with uh, just, throwing people into an online setting and saying hey financially just talking strictly financially i don't think it'll ever happen i think it's just going to be you know the next game they make will be gta 6 with gta online 
two or whatever they're going to call it or whatever um, you mentioned yeah. bully uh i've never played bully but i've i've heard it's a very unique uh like really w- well-made game and i heard that th- th- there's some rumors going around that there's actually a bully 2 in the works yeah there's been rumors about bully 2 for years i think close to a decade at this point we've been uh people that have played bully have been talking about the possibility of a bully 2 um because bully was just such a weird game in a way that like you just you show up at a school and you become the largest meanest kid in it and then you're running around doing you know the same sort of stuff you do in any other rockstar game but centered around this like high school it was it's very unique and i love it a lot um and every time there's a new rumor about it i'm like ooh maybe this time but unless it's adapted uh to be more like a gta or a red dead redemption and have some online component again i don't think any new rumor is going right. to hold any water and i'm sad because i love bully and i would love another one but it just doesn't play like GTA or Red Dead or even LA Noir. Well, the thing with Rockstar is, I mean, I think over 3000 people worked on Red Dead 2, which is just insane. Yeah. I'm sure that some of them like us like maybe even 2 or 300 could split off and make a competent sequel to Bully or a competent sequel to LA Noir or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at Rockstar's, uh, Wikipedia page because I wanted to see, like, what series they've worked on and sort of, like, what, what the most recent releases were for those were. Grand Theft Auto, the last one came out in 2013, um, but they've been doing online stuff for years. They probably have a dedicated team for online Uh, that probably was just doing that and not working on it uh, the last the le- the last Max Payne game came out in 2012. La Noir they just ported it to the Switch, I believe, a little bit ago. Yeah, and they made like a VR La Noir thing. I don't. I actually I don't know if that was Rockstar. Maybe someone else did it. But there's like an a v- La Noir case files. I think it was called. Yeah. Um, and then let's see here. The only uh the only other game. Like, it is then Red Dead is the most recent thing they've come out with. As far as games I know people enjoy or have, like, talked about in the past is that uh, we haven't seen a new Midnight Club in a while. And we haven't seen a new Bully or any sign that they're going to do anything other than L.A. Noir ports for a while. Yeah, that was, like, kind of a weird port. Like, when they when it was announced that it was coming to Switch, I was just like, that's weird. It also, like, didn't fit on the cartridge at all. Really? Yeah, like, there was, like, a humongous download you had to do in addition to the cartridge. I mean, I I think it's great that the Switch is getting support from people that don't traditionally support the Switch, but at the same time, like, who's going to be playing L.A. Noir on their Switch? Who's going to be playing L.A. Noir in 2018? I don't know. (laughs) On 2018 on their Switch. Yeah, it's just a weird decision (laughs) to me. Like, L.A. Noir aged very quickly compared I, to other I agree. games. I couldn't opinion. go back and play like, it right now. G- GTA 4, Bully, those hold up. I watched my roommate freshman year of college, and he was playing L.A. Noir, and I thought it looked ancient. Like, just that, like, the fact that I was supposed to be able to discern anything from these faces was yeah, just ridiculous and at, to me. Like, at the time, the facial yeah. technology was so, like, cutting edge, but we've come so far since then, like... 
when you look at games like Uncharted Four, it looks like Nathan Drake is like literally just sitting right in front of you. It's it, it, it's impressive to see how far we've come. Yeah, I mean, even like even rocks more recent Rockstar games, like it just La Noir, La Noir and Bully, as far as I'm concerned, could have come out the same year. Like looking at them, they just aged so weird. Yeah. It might be that art style that just isn't it doesn't work past uh, when it came out. But yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to have a game like that where you have to discern facial expressions to understand where to go in the game and have it not look great years down the line. Right. Because it just makes that aspect of the gameplay so much harder when you have no idea what you're supposed to be looking right. at. And, and just bringing back the idea of like yeah. uh, Rockstar Games aging uh, and tying it back into Red Dead 2. I feel like Red Dead 2 is going to age pretty well just because of, um, well, neither of you two have played it, but the world is so dynamic and reactive to what you do and what it does to itself in that I, I really think that like no two players will have the same experience playing it. So, I, I mean, huh. yes, the overall story will be the same, but just like how the random encounters affect your story and shape events that happen. Like, it's similar to The Witcher 3 in that like it'll have a lot of replay value just to see how things will shake out if you do things slightly differently. Also, feel like Red Dead One aged really well. I think it did, uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they, uh, especially on X um, on Xbox, uh, they brought it back uh, via back compat and gave it 4K support. So, mm. yeah, and like that's all it would take, like a bump in resolution. I feel like that game would look great. And yeah, I was watching actually a Red Dead One recap just to get ready for Red Dead Two because it's been so many years. I don't really remember too much, and I was surprised at how good it looked. Like, it still looks good. Whether the gameplay holds up is another thing, but... Um, I wanted to ask you, since you have been playing it, have you tried the uh, the mode that I've been hearing about, the um, no mini-map or, you know, getting the NPCs oh. to tell you where to go? I've heard it's Yeah, it's, really it's not really feasible to have the map, map off at all times, just because when you're riding through the world, like, an event, like, someone will an event will like trigger somewhere around you. And unless you have your map up, like, yeah, you can hear an NPC like calling out to you or whatever, but it'll be kind of hard to pinpoint them without the map telling you exactly where they are. That being said, uh, a neat way to play the game is to have, um, there's a setting where you can have all the UI turned off and then you can press a button to basically toggle it for a few seconds and then it'll go away again. And I was doing that for a while because then like the UI came up when I needed it and then went away. Uh, pretty quickly and that was a that was a pretty immersive way to play but yeah i think we've talked about rockstar for quite a while does does anyone have any closing comments still not gonna buy their games as long as as i I live until i hear good news about their crunch (laughs) i will probably be seeing some of uh red dead redemption 2 uh probably my family will play it i probably won't get into it unless i have Mm -hmm. people to play the online with um just because Red Dead itself doesn't draw me to it, but having people to play with might. All right, cool. The next thing we wanted to talk about um, was classic consoles. So classic consoles such as the uh, 
SNES Classic and the NES Classic, uh, and soon to be the PlayStation Classic. Uh, these classic consoles have really kind of taken off in the past couple years, and they've been quite big successes too. Uh, I read recently that Nintendo's uh, SNES and NES Classic sales combined total over 10 million consoles sold, which is pretty, I think that's extremely impressive, especially considering what year it is. Uh, so I kind of wanted to just bring up uh, the idea of these classic consoles and talk about them with you guys. Uh, do you guys own any of them? I have the SNES Classic and I really like it. Uh, I don't have uh, any of the classic consoles that have been released. Yeah, I don't there. have any of them either. And I think my whole mentality on it is that I got, I've got a Raspberry Pi, like a $30 Raspberry Pi that has all of these games emulated on it. So, I mean, we can get into the ethics of that some other time. But uh, as far as <laughs> playing those retro games goes, that satisfies my needs pretty well. Yeah, I have every intention. Um, Nintendo did not do very much to prevent you from hacking your uh, SNES Classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And I'm just going to toss more games on it, like, when I finish the ones that are on it, like, you know, because there's nothing stopping me. So it was just an easy way for me to get, essentially, a hacked Raspberry Pi, because that's all I would have used that for. So I I remember when Mm. the NES Classic first came out, and even when the SNES Classic came out, like, they were almost impossible to find. Has that been remedied? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think so. I see NES and SNES classics okay, pretty much every time I go to any store. Back when like, I think Target the SNES classic first came out, I was actually planning on getting one. And then like the day it went live, I checked like an hour after it went live and everything was sold out everywhere. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to. That was actually I why I got one. I was, uh, I was just at uh, Target one day and I saw two there and I, I called my stepbrother who's really into this stuff and i was like hey aren't these like crazy rare and so i impulse bought yeah. both of them and gave him one and i know like a bunch of scalpers like on ebay bought like so many units at launch and tried to like upsell them uh well the joke's kind of on them now that they're plentiful uh and you know not selling at a reasonable price the joke's really on any uh, any poor guy that bought one from a scalper yeah. back then they're the ultimate loser yeah. in this situation they're neat, though. I mean, it yeah. feels like you're playing on the original console to play on them for the most part. I kind of wish they had um, output other than HDMI. Like, I'd really like for some composite cables so that I could hook it up to an older TV and, like, uh, not need a filter to get that CRT look. That would be cool, but I think one of Nintendo's goals, in addition to, like, satisfying our nostalgia, is to maybe introduce some of these older games to a younger generation the younger generation is not going to know what to do with composite cables. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I just wish, like, I don't know. My my stepbrother uses a, an HDMI to composite converter. And that kind of sucks because the game already has, like, it, it like, puts a, a UI rectangle around your game yeah. so that it's in 4x3. And so now he has the game squished into 4x3 on a TV that's already 4x3. That's it just gives you a very small screen to work with. I wanted to talk about the most recent addition, I guess, to these classic consoles, because I didn't grow up on the NES. I didn't grow up on the SNES or the Sega consoles that they've released or the Atari. Uh, but what they are coming out with, uh, the PS1 classic, is something I definitely grew up on. And I'm disappointed. 
Yeah, I think it looks like hot garbage. That game lineup sucks. So, what, what, what's in the game lineup? Okay. I'm not really too sure. So they, they announced when they were first doing this, five games. Only they, five? The original five wow. they announced. Uh, well, okay. there's 20, but they announced five first off, which people found weird. Um, the first five they announced were Grand, or Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, uh, let's see here, where'd it go? Tekken 3, uh, Wild Arms, and Ridge Racer Type 4. Okay. Um, I played a lot of Tekken 3 growing up. I did not play the other four, so I was like, okay. I hear Wild Arms is a really good RPG. Yeah, but so the other 15 were released. So now they've added Battle Arena Toshinden, Cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, the original Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, the original Metal Gear Solid, Mr. Driller, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut, uh, Revelations Persona, uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, and Twisted Metal. Okay, so about like half of those, I think, are really good picks. Yeah, there's there's certainly some great picks on here, but not what I would have put on a classic PlayStation. So, uh, just out of curiosity, what would yeah. you have added if you could... Uh, I mean, I understand where they couldn't maybe have gotten Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, right. but those two yeah. were those two were huge for that console, and it's a little strange that they're missing. But I can at least understand why it might be harder to get those. I guess licenses. A- Activision back. said no when they asked. Uh, probably. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really know the answer to that one, but mostly because I mean, Spyro Remastered is like less than a month out, so. But so Spyro and Crash Bandicoot are gone. People are a little confused uh, about Battle Arena Toshinden because nobody I've talked to. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Yeah, no one I've talked to knows what that game is. Um, Sounds like a Japanese game. Probably. But if that's the case, where's just a regular Street Fighter on the console (laughs) or a Virtua Fighter or something? And then I've never heard of Intelligent Cube or Jumping Flash. And there's also no. Gran Turismo is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, that's kind of an auto mission for sure. It, yeah, where's Tony Hawk in yeah, all of this? And where's Tony Hawk Pro Skater? Like, those Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Spyro 3 made were the only games my PlayStation ever saw. <laughs> Like and Mega Man Legends, yeah. like those are the games that like made up that generation for me. If I could have, if they had said the misadventures of Tron Bond will be on this console, I would have bought it no matter what the other nineteen games were, because that game by itself is like two hundred dollars now, and I would have. Yeah, so is Mega Man it, Legends. Yeah. Like, so, but it is definitely like a strange lineup, and it's not even just strange that those are the twenty games. It's strange that those are the 20 games this country is getting, not the one Japan is getting. Wait, they're giving us the weird Japanese game, but also giving Japan a different lineup? Yeah, Japan lineup? has a compl- uh, well, a mostly different lineup. So, uh, let's hear. So, what's different from our list is they have Ark the Lad 1 and 2, Armored Core, Devil Dice. Oh, they got Armored yeah. Core? That's a good uh, game. G. Darius, uh, Gradius Gaiden, uh parasite eve and it looks like saga frontier is the other one 
So not only did we get a very strange lineup, we didn't even get the same lineup. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Nintendo, the, the, the lineup for Nintendo was the same for every region, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what I'm hoping happens with this console is what you guys said about the other two consoles is yeah, that right. it's super easy to mod and everybody can just throw their old PlayStation games on there. That'd be great. I wouldn't count on it because like historically, ever since the PS1, Sony's been harder to mod. Yeah. Than other plus PS1 mods are kind of funky too or ROMs sorry PS1 ROMs but yeah, we'll see uh, yeah. I, I think I'm more excited for a potential PS2 classic like I hope they nail that because I actually never owned a PlayStation 1 growing up but I played a lot on PlayStation 2 and I have a lot of fond memories on that console what would be your top three picks if they were to announce a PlayStation 2 classic oh god um, well they've released this game pretty much on every subsequent PlayStation console, but I have to say Jack and Daxter just because that's so seminal to me. Yeah. Personally. Uh, what else? Probably Metal Gear Solid three. Mm. And what, what, what do you think? I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. Yeah. When I think of the three games I would want on a PS two classic, um, I mostly go for games that I know are hard to get nowadays mostly because i want people to be exposed to those but, okay um, i see well when i think of a classic console i think their intention is to kind of create a best of list for that console that's kind of yeah. where i was going with that uh, with the games i mentioned but uh yeah um if i were to pick at least two or three i think you'd have shadow of the colossus oh yeah for sure i don't know oh, how yeah, i forgot yeah. that probably persona 3 Three or four, I can't. I think four was on there as well, and it it's a toss up in that community of who of which one you want more. And then probably you mentioned Jack and Daxter, but Ratchet and Clank. Oh yeah, Ratchet, Ratchet as well. Yeah, yeah. I would want um, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Star Wars Battlefront two, the yeah. old one. That would be great. And um, destroy humans. Yeah, too. Star Wars Battlefront two, like the old one, is so like orders of magnitude more fun than the new star wars battlefront game it's oh i still so play good. it sometimes i picked it up on Same. steam on sale the other day and it's it's still fun yeah <laughs> it's so good like i don't understand ea could have literally just made that game like remade that game with better <laughs> graphics and it would have sold so much yeah like uh, just a dice remake with like yeah. better graphics and sound um yeah <laughs> getting back to like uh classic consoles like with the with the games we just mentioned like, those were huge for the PS2. I d there's a number of games on the PS1 list, then, that are just confusing as to why they're there, because they're not particularly well-known. And what I'm thinking is the my thought on this is that when Nintendo goes to make the NES Classic, or the NES, or SNES Classic, is that they already have the rights to all those games, whereas Sony might not have the rights to every game that they would love to put on there or it made the most money right. for them on that console. Yeah. Very few of those games we just listed were first party. Like I think ratchet and clank might've been the only yeah. one. Insomnia or Jack and Daxter was naughty dog. Um, and Metal okay, Gear three was Konami. It was, it was a PS exclusive, but it wasn't a first party game. Yeah. That's not, that's third party. Yeah. So I think that right. might be why we're seeing this strange lineup. 
but also it's I like I've talked with some other people about this lineup ever since it was announced a couple days ago and we're all you know throwing around games we want to see but I haven't heard anybody actually say they want to get this console I mean it's at a hundred dollars already really um wow that's, that's really crazy. steep yeah but nobody's talking about the price point nobody's talking about when it's released we're all just sort of talking about what we wish had been on the console more than what's going to be on it and i don't see that as a good sign for the release of this thing yeah i mean i kind of hate to say it but i feel like sony can and nintendo can get away with a pretty low effort release for these retro consoles just because it doesn't it probably doesn't cost them very many uh very many resources to make so Whatever Hmm. they do sell, they'll probably make a little bit of money off that and call that a success. It's absurd for them to charge $100 for that because you could make your own for like 30, like just buy a PlayStation TV, the uh, the like weird Vita that plugs into a TV instead of having a screen. Uh, Yeah, those can be had for like 25 to $50, I think, because nobody wanted them. Hmm. And then just buy the games you wanted and make a better lineup off the PlayStation store. Like, yeah. It'll, I think I still think it'll sell well though, just because of the collection aspect of it and having something that resembles a PS One in your living room again. It's a powerful. Well, nostalgia the PS One's not even an attractive console. <laughs> it's not, but you know, nostalgia. Yeah, like the, the SNES and the NES have like this iconic look, but like the PS One's just a weird looking gray box. I can still play uh, a lot of the games that are on that list because, or a lot of the games that I remember on that list because I still have the discs and i can either play it on the playstation 3 or i can rip it to my computer and i can play it through the playstation emulator that exists so it's it's i like the idea that they were going to make a playstation classic i don't think it's well the list isn't very well uh thought out to the point where people would want to buy it and people still have very good access to these games right one other thing i wanted to mention uh while we're talking about retro consoles nintendo is probably going to release an n64 classic like within a year i would say and out of all of the retro consoles i'm probably the most excited for that uh considering the potential of the games that could be on that thing n64 for me was like the most seminal console for me as a child it was my first console and the one i remember best uh so i'm very much looking forward to that uh like it could be tricky getting some of the best games on that thing considering rare is no longer fair game for them yeah. i don't see microsoft getting in the way of yeah microsoft's been playing very nice lately so yeah they'll probably want to cut but i don't think they'll veto it by any means yeah yeah, if they're if I mean, we've been seeing a lot of rumors about an N64 classic, but that would be the first classic console I can think of where I go. Yes, I want that because I didn't have an N64 growing up, but I know yeah. the lineup that would exist on a console for that would be just amazing yeah. games anyway. Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, uh, Super Smash Bros, yeah, Mario Kart. Banjo Kazooie potentially. Conquerors, Bad Fur Day. Goldeneye. Perfect Dark. Yeah. I mean, like, half of those were rare games. So, (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. But that is, like, if Nintendo's classic consoles so far have been 
really the best handle out of the whole classic console wave that we've seen. Uh, just in terms of like, okay, maybe they could have done better on actually supplying them uh, early on, but I think they've learned from that. Um, and certainly the uh, the game's lineups that they had on both of the ones they've released so far haven't been bad. People have liked those a lot and then have found, oh, well, there's a game I remember. I can put it on here anyway, if you right. want to go that far. Yeah, I think Nintendo's been doing a really good job so far. The thing I think I would like to see most is a Game Boy Classic. I would kill for one of those. I think that would be great. But I, I don't... I don't think we've seen any kind of rumor or sign that they're working on retro handhelds. No, nah. but uh, we'll yeah, see. I mean, I, I, I mean, the potential's there. Every, I, I made a Game Boy Advance classic for myself here recently. I hacked my PlayStation Vita to be able to play GBA games. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm having a blast with that. Like that library is just massive. Yeah, GB like yeah. A, a GBA, a well done GBA classic would be the most hype thing for me personally. I think. It probably sell incredibly well with the added addition of, you know, being able to take it with you uh, and not have to sit down in your living room to play it. Just have just break out your Game Boy Advance Classic. Nintendo comes out. We have a console for that. It's called the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, we have the Switch. Why would you want another console? All right. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts on classic consoles? I want to see a better lineup from future ones, but uh, PS1 just sort of, their classic isn't doing it for me. Connor? I I don't know. I don't think I'll ever buy another classic system. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally in the camp where I have literally any classic game that Nintendo or Sony could offer uh, on my Raspberry Pi. Uh, granted, you know, like Maybe sometimes the frame rate stutters for N64 games or whatever, but I don't know. I don't really have much incentive to get one of these at this point. I'd buy a GameCube Classic, but that's like super far away, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Once we start getting into the things that can't really be easily emulated, I'll be more interested. Mm. But yeah, I think we should round off by talking about games we played or recommend. Um, I can go first. No secret. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I had high hopes for this game, and it completely smashed all of my expectations for it. Like I said, the, the, the most impressive thing to me about this game is that it, it joins a very small echelon of games that I think are pushing game design forward, uh, like in unique, specifically open world game design forward uh, in, in pretty innovative ways. Uh, similar to Breath of the Wild, how we how when that came out, there was nothing really like it in terms of like open world mechanics. Red Dead does the same thing, uh, only you know differently in its own way. Uh, the world just feels so alive. I think is the best way to put it. Even the most minor of NPCs will remember things you say and do around them, and reference them later to either you or other NPCs, and that can cause things in the game to happen. It's just a level of reactivity to what you do on the world that I have not yet seen in a video game to the point where it's almost like it, 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 it's surreal at times because you feel like anything you do, no matter how minor, has a consequence. Another big thing about this game to me is the absurd attention to detail. It definitely feels like this game was made by people who have like 
or who who are obsessive compulsive about everything they do whether it be like the dialogue that exists in the game there's over like 300,000 i think lines of dialogue most of it like i would say 99% of people will never even hear cuz it it's strictly contextual and like every single situation would have like unique dialogue dialogue never repeats animations never repeat um like for instance i went i rode into town the other day and watched like a theater play it had three acts uh each act like was a different form of entertainment like one was a concert one was like a a dance thing and no repeated animations for that so like something so minor something's something so minor something that most people will not even see was fully acted fully choreographed and it's just that kind of attention to detail which i think puts it above games like it in my mind yeah i'm absolutely loving it completely immersed in it when i'm away from it i just want to play it more uh so really sucked into it really enjoying it and the story's great too characters are wonderful yeah that's all i got to say uh tristan yeah um well, I'll look forward to someone else playing that. I'm sure I'll watch them. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, PlayStation 1 games recently. So I was playing the Misadventures of Tronbon. Because uh, I played it a lot as a kid. Um, didn't understand it very well. Now that I'm playing it as an adult, man, I was bad at that game. Um, so what is it? I've never heard of it before. So it's set in the Mega Man Legends world that they created when they did Mega Man Legends for the PS1. Essentially, you play as a sky pirate uh, called the Bond family. Uh, Your older brother and uh, your other brother? I'm trying to remember the Bond family exactly. They both get kidnapped, and you find out as the sister that the older brother owed a million dollars worth of debt to another criminal. Um... So as Tronbon, you take control of a ship called the Gessel Shaft uh, and you work with these little uh, dudes and like these little robots with like blue overalls and giant yellow heads called the little Lego man looking guys. Yeah, the surf bots. Oh, my God. They're the best. Um, you work with all 40 of them to try and raise a million dollars to save your older brother. Um, so you go on bank heists. The first one went really weirdly. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, But uh, what I love about that game is that you get to learn all 40 different surf bots. Like, they're all uniquely personalized. They have different stats they can get up to. Uh, But their personalities are just so much fun to interact with. Like, there's one that every time you try to talk to him, he just starts throwing paper airplanes around the room. Uh, They start crying at like the slightest uh insult to their intelligence but it's a game filled with personality uh the first mission i went on is you're you go to rob a bank um and so you are dropped off in this town and you send the surf bots into the building and then a bunch of dogs and animals run out um because they screwed up uh the surf bots screwed up and dropped you in front of an animal hospital but it's sort of like it's a lighthearted sort of crime that you're committing. You're sort of like uh, you're running around in this giant robot suit, uh, shooting little missiles, directing uh, the most incompetent robot aides you have to go steal stuff. But 
most of the time they walk out of buildings with uh, plates of curry or chicken or apples. And so there's just so much going on in sort of like, I want to build the serve bots to be more capable, but I also can develop my robot to shoot missiles and Gatling guns. So I'm envisioning like a top down shooter. Is that, is that what this is? So it's like a third person action game. Okay. Um, Does it play like Mega Man Legends? Uh, I believe yes. That is, yeah, that is brought up uh, when you're selecting the controls. Is like if you played M- Mega Man Legends, this is the control screen uh, scheme you want to go with. Um, huh. I loved that game. It's <laughs> so yeah. Uh, if you get a chance, I know it's really hard to come across and like play it, but uh, I'd super recommend giving some time to the Misadventures of Tron Bon. So, nice. uh, Connor, what have you been up to? Uh, I'm going to preface mine. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, Toby Fox's uh, follow-up to Undertale. So, like, he's doing a weird kind of release with that. So, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So, you guys, you know, anybody into that might want to stop listening here if you haven't played it yet. Also, do you guys care about spoilers for that? Nah. Okay. Uh, you, can go, you can go ahead. It's fine. Well, I'll, I'll try to be light with it. But, um... Basically, Toby Fox yesterday tweeted, come back in 24 hours. I have some questions for you or something like that. Hmm. And then uh, he just posts uh, 24 hours later. He posts three times Deltarune.com, Deltarune.com, Deltarune.com. Deltarune is an anagram of uh, Undertale. And it's also something mentioned in the first game. Uh, So you fire it up and it's a download. You have to download it and it starts asking you questions. But like pretty quickly like it it goes into a character creator and like, you're like, Whoa, this is, this is a video game, not like a survey. Hmm. And uh, you start playing it and you start like, you actually get into the game and you see like Toriel's there, like some other undertale characters that you recognize are there, but they're not like doing what they did in undertale at all. And it's just interesting story. Like you play through it and like that part ends kind of towards the beginning and it's all new stuff. But um, it's like it's like Undertale again, like lightning strikes twice, like it's but it's insanely polished compared to the first game. Like everything looks way better. The world seems bigger, kind of. And like, so is it is it a sequel to Undertale? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say what it is. Like, it's definitely a spiritual successor at the very least. But like, and I I just read uh, that it, it, is it like setting up like a full game? It is chapter down? one. Yes, okay. when you end, it Ooh. says to be continued in chapter two when you finish this one. Interesting. And it was free. It's totally free to download, which is weird. Like I just don't know where Toby Fox is going. But I can tell you this: I would pay literally any amount of money to get more of this. <laughs> I loved Undertale, and I love this, and this is like. Like I just don't know where he's going with it yet. <coughs> he's a, he's a, he's definitely a revolutionary game maker. There's no one quite like him. Because like all of Undertale is talking about like how how much your choices matter, but then this game, yeah. the whole time you're being told that your choices don't matter. And as far as I can tell, they don't. Like you have the same like you don't have to kill anyone. And I did a pacifist playthrough of this, but as far as I can tell, it doesn't make a difference. Like because it's really easy to do a pacifist playthrough. It it. I like it just didn't come up that it was at any point difficult. 
Was the gameplay the same as Undertale? It's very similar. Um, you have a party now. It's not just one player or one person. And so you control all of your party's actions, but then after you've selected all their actions, it's the same bullet hell type thing. It just, mm-hmm. the UI is way cleaner. There's more characters constantly with I kind you. Of liked, I kind of like the like janky old school UI. It's, it's, in the still, game, like, it still captures that look. It just has a level of polish that the first okay. Undertale did. And it's hard to explain. Like it's still the same aesthetic. And like it has all these twists and turns throughout and stuff, and it's it's really heartwarming, and I I'm just so excited for more of it to come out. So has he alluded to the fact that like the chapter one's free, but is he going to charge? He has not. He's two? actually said, and and I assume that this episode won't be up for a week or two. But um, yeah. Toby Fox has actually asked it uh, for no one to talk about the game for 24 hours so that people don't get spoiled. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That's that's like the first thing you see on the website. Don't talk about it for 24 hours. That's awesome. Yeah, it's such it a out. good game. And it as as a result, like I'm dying. I'm like looking for a fix. I'm like online trying to find people talking about it. And nobody really is. There's no news outlets talking about it very much or anything. That's kind of surprising to me that uh, his wishes were respected like that. I know. I mean, there is a subreddit like people and stuff, in the, but it's really just... video games, like, they talk about stuff, like, all the like time. Like, media outlets aren't talking about anything other than the fact that it exists. That's cool. Yeah. It's so good, though. Like, oh my gosh. I, I just... I was such a huge fan of Undertale when it first came out. I never thought, like, Toby Fox would be able to pull it off again, but he's got me hooked for sure. That's awesome. All right. Well, yeah, I think that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, Thank you guys for joining me. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.